Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. This is episode number 16. I'm here with Bob Papa Dude Bittner. How you doing this morning, Bob? I'm doing great, Tony. How are you this morning? It's a little chilly out there this morning, but it's good to be alive. It is definitely a little chilly out there, though. I think uh, a lot of our listeners throughout the country probably have a lot colder weather uh, than we do here. Yeah, I think they've been shoveling some snow the last week up in uh, the Boston area, our friends up from up in that area. So uh, uh, keep shoveling, guys. Keep it open. Keep the buildings warm. Uh, uh, keep uh, all your clients happy in those buildings up north. I do not envy you with that snow, so I'll stay right here in North Carolina. There you go. Well, everyone, we have a very special guest with us this morning. We have Matt Munter with EMG out of Baltimore. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk about condition assessments, and uh, and he is an expert. He's been doing this for quite a while. Matt, what's your experience, and, and how long have you with AMG. Yeah, well, first of all, happy, happy to be here. We got out of Baltimore uh, just in time for the ice storm to come. They got we got the bottom side of that that storm, so it came down to North Carolina, and it's uh, it's freezing down here too. So it's not, <laughs> it's not all that that different. So uh, I, I've been with a company called EMG for about 16 years. The company uh, specializes in condition assessments. I'm a mechanical engineer from Clemson. University in South Carolina. Well, we all so, hold that against you. So, yeah, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of ACC fans here uh, in the building. So, uh, but condition assessments is, is what we do, and uh, we really do them for a couple different groups of folks. One, we work with uh, folks that are buying, selling, and investing in buildings. They call those due diligence condition assessments. So, before a transaction is made, and the other group, uh, I think the group we're going to focus on talking about today are institutional facility owners, whether they're county governments, K-12 schools, higher ed. Uh, We do some work with federal government clients and uh, some corporate campus type of clients uh, like hospitals and and, uh, corporate headquarters. So really folks that have more than one building, managing multiple buildings with the need to prioritize, plan, and know what's coming at them down the road from a facility to reinvestment point of view. Well, I know we've ha- uh, developed a relationship with you, Matt, uh, over the last year, and you guys are doing some uh, condition assessments for our current clients. And um, uh, tell me a little bit about the approach, uh, why we would want to, why uh, an owner would want to do a condition assessment. That what you've changes you've seen in the last few years. I know that we've had a real rocky economic time over the last uh, about seven, eight years, and uh, facilities have been neglected. Money starting to come back a little bit. Talk about us uh, from your uh, personal and uh, professional uh, experience as you're doing these things all across the country. What are you seeing in the industry of why people are uh, are doing condition assessments again? Yeah, sure. So the uh, I'll start with the basics. The uh, the why do a condition assessment? The condition assessment is really a tool to be able to identify what are the needs going to be for reinvestment in the property. So code compliance, uh, does the building comply with ADA? How do we identify what that's gonna be and put a dollar figure against it and get it into the budget? What are the what are the expenses that are coming at the facility manager that really aren't gonna be able to be avoided? So the roof, there's only so much you can do when you've got a roof replacement, you've gotta plan for it, budget it. And we, the condition assessment really looks system by system through the building. Uh, so it's a tool for, for planning. Now, you're right, there's been Big changes in the economy over the last seven years. Uh, we really saw 
uh, everybody kind of go go underground uh, there, tighten their belts, uh, reduce staff, uh, uh, whether it's, it's corporate corporate facilities, uh, county governments, uh, everybody was impacted. Now, the, the county and institutional, really government clients, are a couple of years behind as far as seeing the recovery. The, uh, they're, they're relying on real estate taxes to come, so they're finally out of the red, in the black. We're seeing all over the country big, uh, big projects. Uh, saw one this morning for Philadelphia schools, 15 million square feet. They haven't done a condition assessment in a number of years. Now that they're in the black, they need to look at what they've got. They've been deferring maintenance. They haven't uh, been able to retire some of those projects that need to be taken care of. So now they need to identify the projects, prioritize them, put them in front of everybody to be able to see. They need to be transparent about what's coming first and start to prepare a, a multi-year plan and start to execute through those projects. I know there's been some discussion even here in the state of North Carolina uh, in the last few years about trying to understand what, how much money is needed to uh, uh, repurpose and uh, revitalize. A lot of our buildings are reaching end of life uh, and a lot of work needs to be done and it's a big number. I, I think it's somewhere between eight and twelve billion dollars here in the state of North Carolina for uh, just state buildings. So talk to me a little bit about why you would do it. Obviously we're not going to go, the state of North Carolina is not going to go tax twelve billion dollars on top of what's already out there to do that and the prioritizing of of work and understanding what needs to be done in this process. So it's it's a great question and the, the fact that we're seeing those statewide kind of studies going on in a number of states. Oregon's doing one, California's doing one, we're doing one in New Mexico, one in Massachusetts. So everybody is doing the exact same thing. So uh, a couple things, a couple dynamics there. First to look at the the breadth of the overall need. And like you said, there's usually a huge number that's not addressable. But then getting to the next level, what can be prioritized there? And are there any things that can be deferred or are there more efficient replacements, possibly uh, energy-saving component replacements that will return energy savings into a cash flow that can be put towards other building repairs? In California, one of the things they're looking at is getting rid of some of their buildings. Their uh, footprint is actually shrinking. With telecommuting, everything else they've got going on, they don't need the, uh, the big, shiny buildings all located in one place. So as a result of the condition assessment, they're going to look at divesting uh, some of the buildings. And that's exactly like uh, you mentioned earlier. The condition assessment allows you to look at the building relative to the replacement value of the building, something that we call facility condition index. Kind of a nerdy measure, but it's really nothing more than the cost of what needs to be fixed versus the cost of a new building. You do the same calculation once your car starts getting old. Hey, at a certain point, if they tell me they want $5,000 to fix this car, I'm getting a new one. Yeah. So uh, exactly the same kind of discussion on the building. As soon as that condition index starts getting to an unsustainable level, it really becomes a discussion of do we want to keep reinvesting in this building or perhaps it's time for a gut rehab, perhaps it's time to knock that building down and build a new one, or perhaps it, that building could be worth more on the commercial market. They could take the money and build a building elsewhere configured in a more modern configuration. Because as you mentioned earlier, a lot of these buildings that were built in the 70s, and we're seeing a lot of this in the community college market specifically, that those buildings were all built out in the 70s. 
buildings look a lot different today and the uses are a lot different and the, the way folks move and the hours that those buildings are used are all quite different than when they were designed so there is a uh, an inflection point where we've got a lot of money to reinvest if we want just to make this building look like it did when we built it maybe that's not what should be done so we really don't run out change the oil flush the radiator put new tires on a 15-year-old car before we take it and turn it in, right? I mean, and, and doing it. So you're kind of talking about the same thing with buildings here. We might add a quart of oil to it, so when they pull the dipstick out, there's at least a little oil showing on the dipstick, but they're not going to see brand new tires and so forth so on that, that automobile. And, and that's exactly the analogy. So if we do a, a study and you've got multiple buildings, you decide, hey, this one building served us great through the 60s and 70s, but it's really no longer configured the way we want it. It's it's not a go forward building. It's not at the end of the ten year plan that building's not going to be around. So then you develop a, uh, a, a, a maintain as is. You're not reinvesting. You're going to patch and repair the roof and try to get a few more years out of it. So like you said, you're going to do the oil changes, keep it keep the heat on in the building, but you're not doing a major reinvestment in the building. Once you get that strategy down on paper, it's very clear for everybody what the strategy is in that building and helps you then move on to the next building and decide what's going on there. Now, when uh, when is a good opportunity for a building owner, let's say a new building is put up, when's a good time to just start uh, understanding this condition assessment? I know a lot of people have the mentality that, well, the building's under warranty for a year, let's just forget about it for a year. Uh, everything has a lifespan, and I think we forget about that lifespan. And I think the earlier you can get in the lifespan, uh, of understanding what will need to go on over time because uh, pieces of equipment have different life expectancies, right? I right. mean, they, uh, some are designed for, for five years, some 10 years, some 20 years, some 30 or 40 years. Uh, but uh, we need to plan, start planning relatively soon, don't you think, once an, even a new building is built? It, uh, it's, it's never too soon. And uh, you know, I like the car analogy because it's one that every single one of us can relate to. You buy a new car, they tell you exactly what you need to do at, at the 3,000 miles, 5,000 miles, 15,000 miles. Hopefully you don't have to start replacing major components until, <laughs> yeah, until exactly. a couple of years in. But certainly there's maintenance that needs to happen. Uh, there's small component repairs that if left unrepaired are going to really reduce the overall lifespan of that equipment. So what we're seeing a lot of our clients that have multiple buildings do is when they add a new building into the system, the same way that we would do a condition assessment, breaking out the roof and all the major components into a, what needs to be spent each year to maintain that. They're putting that new building into the same kind of, imagine an Excel spreadsheet, something more sophisticated like a database. They're setting that new building up and writing down what needs to be reinvested in. Our government clients, uh, especially those that are financed by the federal government, say housing authorities and things like that, they're required to get that new building set up and show, set up a reserve account so that they are putting money into the kitty starting in year one so that when that big repair starts coming in year seven, 15, they've already got a reserve account that's had money going into it each year. They don't have to start scratching their head to say, where's this money coming from? It's kind of budgeting for it ahead and putting it aside. They've been planning for it from day one. And this kind of ties into what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the return on investment for PM program and the life cycle cost of a facility. I know I mentioned one that was a little over 300,000 square feet. It was a correctional facility where 
there was no PM program in place over the life of that facility. And through 50, over 50 years, uh, the cost to maintain that facility was $23 million more than it would have been if they had implemented and followed through with that actual PM program. Talk a little bit about that matter, what you're seeing out there in the space. Uh, good maintenance versus no maintenance versus kind of reactive kind of maintenance and what that payback might might look like. You know, I probably don't have any, any specific statistics, but I can tell you what, what we see. We, when we get into a building, first thing in a condition assessment, we're going to try to determine what's been done in that building, really try to understand when was the component installed, how well has it been maintained. Because as you know, mm -hmm. uh, if you've got uh, an air handler, that's supposed to be a 15-year item, but it hasn't been maintained. It's not going to make it uh, 15 years. So we're looking at uh, what's the maintenance that's been done. Is there are they running a work order system? Do they have anything that shows here's when preventive maintenance has been done, or even how often has somebody been called out to repair this piece of equipment? If they don't have that, it's probably a pretty good sign that that uh, there hasn't been a program of maintenance. And then when we start visually assessing, we can usually see all right, these filters don't look like they've been cleaned. That puts stress on the motor, and, and it, uh, we're going to degrade the remaining life of that piece of equipment based on that. So I can't tell you any specific stats about uh, you know, how many percent you degrade the life, but it's very clear that uh, things as simple as filter changes impact the entire component. Right. And it's more than just that component. I mean, that kind of has a rippling effect Absolutely. throughout the building. How uh, sophisticated are our owners and facility managers becoming today in this area of conditioning assessment? Uh, are you seeing it a, a growing? Is your business growing? Or is there more demand for it? So certainly the, uh, the business is growing, and we're seeing everything from commercial investors uh, to uh, mid-sized institutions and government agencies embracing the idea of doing a capital planning exercise. Uh, Ten years ago, our commercial clients really only cared about this kind of thing when they were doing a transaction, when they were first bringing the building into their portfolio. Now we're seeing more of a, uh, a mentality of investing in the property, trying to uh, uh, minimize the expenses and maximize the value, no longer how, no matter how long they're holding the asset. The other big change that we're seeing is 10 years ago, folks were happy with paper reports on their buildings. In fact, they were a little bit scared of databases and who owned the data and, and where the data lived. And, and if they did want a database, they wanted it to live right on their, their servers. In 10 years, things have, have changed completely. Uh, when we walk into a client now that's uh, in uh, any significant number of buildings, say a million square feet and above, every single one of them has got some kind of software package running, whether it's a simple work order system or something more sophisticated that tracks maintenance hours and, and things like that. And every single one of them wants us to do something with that data. Either pull it into what we're doing, account for it, or push information back into that database. So the idea of facility managers figuring out, um, hey, number one, there are tools uh, that can help you right. do your job. They're embracing that, and they're all a lot smarter to what's out there right now. They've used something. They kind of know the ups and downs of what packages or different types of packages are out there. So. We're seeing the facility managers are a lot more sophisticated, a lot more educated, and a lot uh, more open. And possibly it's because the IT guys uh, have, have uh, gotten less less uh, 
scared of uh, outside software. Right. You know, so, so now they're allowed to buy software. And, uh, and the fact that it's all on the cloud now and you don't have to get the IT guy to reconfigure the server that runs yeah. the county paychecks, you know, it's... Uh, it just it's, makes it a lot easier yeah. for them, doesn't it? it and I, I think it's because of iTunes. Every, yeah. Everybody has downloaded, you know, a song. Yeah. They, they kind of know how it works. It's not that scary. Yeah. Your, your tunes are living up there in the cloud yeah. somewhere, so... You know, you don't need to be afraid of it anymore. Well, That's we're going to be, we're, this, this session is going to be uh, living up there in the cloud. And uh, I, we hope that you can stick around for uh, part two. Uh, we want to talk about how you just go about, if, you, if I've decided now that I feel there's value in doing a condition assessment, what are the things that we need? And we're going to do that in part two. But part two. But I'm, uh, I want to thank Matt for uh, sharing with us today his experience uh, with EMG and what they're seeing in the marketplace one of the reasons that we uh, have partnered with EMG in, in facility condition assessments is that they do, that's their business, and they're not an engineering firm trying to look for other work to design a building or replace the equipment, but uh, their, their business is going out there and giving a fair evaluation of the condition of the building without any other uh, motivation in that report. So, so Matt, I want to thank you for uh, being with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. And um, I'm going to turn it back over to Tony and uh, to kind of wrap this up today. Yeah, thank you everyone for joining us, Matt. Again, thank you. It was a pleasure having you here. I'm excited to have you back next week when we do episode 17. Uh, everyone, please, if you have any comments, feel free to, to find us. Email us at uh, podcast.facilitydude.com and please join us. Um, follow us at stitcher.com and itunes.com. Y'all have a great week. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.